0: You're about to listen to a message from the Life Point Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Shall we return? Okay, everyone who's back, may I please ask, can we move forward? Thank you very much. Please let's occupy the seats in front so that we're closer. Thank you all so much. Okay, how many people were in the morning service? Just one person. Can we try not to sit behind the divider? Thank you. Anybody who sits in the front seat will get a million naira. So you can sit in front. You can sit in front. Okay. Yeah, but I did not put a timeline to when that one million will be received. One day, one day. One day, some day. <laughs> okay, are we still expecting more people who are eating behind? All right, let's, let's get started because we have to shut down in a bit. So if you've been following the teaching series, first of all, welcome back everyone. Welcome back to Exchange. Uh, We're looking for our Exchange family members. So if you have friends who typically attend Exchange and um, they couldn't make it down today, please remind them that we have resumed Exchange gatherings and it'll be great to have them be a part of it. We're currently working on um, a specialized Exchange gathering that would happen outside of church once a month So we'll keep you guys updated um, as plans unfold. Okay, Father, we thank you. We give you all praise. We know you are here with us already. We thank you for the entrance of your word gives light. And so we receive light tonight. We receive instruction. We receive illumination. We receive direction. Uh, We thank you for your transforming word um, that makes us more like you. We give you all praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so if you've been with us, maybe you've been following the morning service, um, whether here at LifePoint or at Television, you probably know that we've been talking about Emerge. The teaching series has been around Emerge. And um, I'm going to, for the benefit of those who weren't at the morning service, I would do a bit of a deep dive of the conversations we had earlier. And I will build on that because I had promised uh, in the morning service, I was going to share a story about some guy called Richard at the evening service. So, um, and then we're going to also have a conversation around Tommy, because, <laughs> not Tommy figure, <Hilfiger>, stomach, Tommy. <laughs> yes, because I got asked um, an interesting question. After I shared an experience in the morning, yes, I spoke about feet in the morning and then There was a follow-on question around stomach. So we will talk about that. And of course, I have a few questions that I would like us to also discuss. All right. So um, scripture reading from John 21 from verses 15 to 17. Also, if you've been reading The Purpose Driven Life, uh, this entire week all all the way up to yesterday has been focused on um, our shape. Uh, it says we are shaped by God for service. That has been the focus. So it's been primarily around service. And I'm trusting God that someone here will be inspired to do more, to commit. And uh I mean, the direction in which the worship went as well as the prayers um, already shows that God is eager for us to partner with him a whole lot this year. And I'm hoping that someone would receive that call, answer the call, pick up the call. Or was that a song? Pick up your phone, be pick up the call. So that's how you pick the call today in the name of Jesus. That nudging that you've been having, that impression you've been having that, you know, you need to get in the mix here. Yeah? You roll up your sleeves and get work done, that you would receive that um, and take action. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so John, 5, John 21, he says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon son of Jonah. You know, it's interesting that he says when they had eaten breakfast. So this was not that um, perhaps Peter was hungry is what informed his response. It was that he, had, it was, he was responding with clear head and a full stomach. He says, Simon son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Now, by this time, Peter was upset. It says Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? I mean, if he had not eaten breakfast, that's if Jesus hadn't eaten. Peter may have said, oh, Jesus was hungry. is why he's been asking the same question over and over again. You know how some of us act when we're hungry or sleepy. But alas, they said to us that they are just eating breakfast. So everybody had full stomachs. He says, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now in the morning, I explained how that This was a question of priority. This was Jesus asking Peter to think through his priorities and helping him understand what was priority to him. For us to be able to emerge fully this year in a way and manner that is completely pleasing to God, it is important that our priorities are his priorities. There needs to be a realignment of priorities. Um, There's a way the world has wired us to, want to, you know, run with our own agenda and all. But for those of us who belong to Christ, those of us who have been saved, um, those of us who have committed to a life of um, following him, just as we sang and prayed earlier, we need to ensure that our priorities are aligned with his. So what is on God's heart is what we should be asking ourselves. What is on God's heart for me? What is on God's heart? What does he want done? What are the things that matter to him? What does he want done in my local church where I am currently planted? How can I be of help? What are the things that he's, he's trying to do through LifePoint? How can I plug in and join in the work? You know, those are the kind of questions that he's expecting us to be able to ask in this season. All right, so, but we see how Jesus will tie That question or that action, which is, Peter, feed my sheep. That is the call to action, right? It was a direct request. But we see how he would tie it, first of all, to love. Do you love me? Because if you love me, you will do what matters to me. That was the message Jesus was getting across. It's not enough for you to say to me, Peter, that you love me. It's not enough for you to, you know, sing about it like we do. It's not enough for you to dance around it like we sometimes do. It's not enough for you to pay lip service to it. It is that if you do, there is a corresponding action that is born out of that life of love, that state that, you know, that state of affection that you have for me. It needs to reflect in your output. And that's what Jesus was saying here to Peter. that If you love me, the, the, the assurance that I have of your love for me It's not in how much you sing about it or how much you tell me every time. It is that I see it in how you take care of that which matters to me, which is my sheep, my people. Again, we've said it over and over again that God's priority is his people. God's priority, everything from the design, the way the world has been constructed. It is about people. Hence why God has created everything that man needs to thrive here on earth. It's been made available. What doesn't currently exist in its finished state is already existing in, you know, it's um, in an unfinished state. Man just needs to apply some intelligence and develop it. So everything God has done has been primarily for his people. Even till the reconciliatory work, the reconciliatory efforts that he put in place through Jesus, it is about his people. And so people are God's priority and he expects that Everything we will do, even as a local church, has got to be around people. It can never be about us trying to, you know, some territorial tough conversation. It cannot be about, you know, us trying to glorify ourselves. It has got to be about God's people. The preaching and the teaching of the word, the edification of the saints, discipling them, you know, winning souls. Ensuring that people do not end, up, especially when we have people around us who, it's very clear, are on their way to hell. And we do nothing about it. You know, someone is asking, what am I I supposed to do? If you can't even have conversations, you can pray. If you take it upon yourself to spend 30 minutes in prayer for the salvation of the soul of someone who's really close to you. I promise you that that is a worthwhile investment. Either person gets saved through you or through someone else. Jesus would say to his disciples, the harvest is plenty. Laborers are few. He doesn't say to his disciples, Pray that the harvest will be reaped. It is that prayer that the laborers will, you know, will be available for the harvest. So there's a laborer that is for every, I dare say, harvest field. And you and I, sometimes our responsibility is to pray. Sometimes our responsibility is actually to participate because there's a harvest field, there's a mission field for each and every one of us, okay? All right, so genuine love for God will naturally lead to kingdom service. Jesus may declare that the greatest commandment is love for God and love for his people. So those are the two greatest commandments. Love God, love people. Every other thing is built around it. In fact, the 10 commandments is about, there's a, half of it is God, half of it is people. If you are familiar with the 10 commandments, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. It is about people, ensuring that people are preserved and protected because when God was going to give God dominion, he never gave us dominion over one another. Never. So if your perception or your perspective about human beings is to lord it over them, that is unchrist-like. Let's just call it what it is. It is unchrist-like. OK? So um, moving on, there is, I, I remember reading a book um, it would have been about eight years ago now. Yeah. It was called, "How Will You Measure Your Life?" by Clayton Christensen. Now, this man. Interestingly, past, passed, I think, last year or two years ago. He's a Harvard professor. But I read the book at a point in time in my life where I was really frustrated. And it happened to have been recommended. If I was given to me by one of my mentors then, uh, it was such a fantastic book because it helped me recalibrate. I mean, Harvard professor, you know, you, you would have expected that he would... There was a lot, of, a lot of truth in it because what he did was he, he took business theories and he applied them to everyday life and living. But it was from a very different perspective. Um, so prior to that book, he had written a book called The Innovator's Dilemma which was also a fantastic read. But the thing that I went to my mentor with at that point in time in my life was, so I'd recently just quit my job and I was really frustrated. I quit on, I didn't quit on a whim. I quit because I heard God very clearly say to me to leave. Kind of like an Abraham moment, you know. But I guess I did not have the, the, I just got up and moved with the wind, with my plans. If you know me, I am a planner. So I felt like, well, God, while you're trying to figure out what it is you want for me, the next steps Here is a plan that I will be trying to execute on the side. So I had a side gig that I was doing then when I was in, in paid employment. And I was going to continue it. Assuming that, well, maybe God really wanted to expand that side gig to become like a main thing. Because I was doing so well in it when I was doing it alongside my job, um, and logically they they would say to you if you started to earn a certain amount or a certain percentage of your you know your income from your paid job or even earning more than it, you know you might want to start to think about prioritizing that side gig because it's no longer a side gig, putting structure around it. So I was feeling like well maybe that's what God wanted me to, do, but there was no clarity. I only just knew one thing. It was time to move on from that particular organization that I was and to take a break. So, I mean, I moved and things did not pan out the way I wanted them to. And so I was having a conversation with my mentor, you know, and he didn't say much. He just encouraged me, prayed with me. And then a few days later, sent me this particular book, How Will You Measure Your Life? And reading it, um, it, it sort of sh- it just helped me calm down, first of all because um, some of the theories in there were around um, principles of allocation of resources, um, principles around um, taking your, your, your time and, and, and figuring out what matters the most, how that you cannot over... So investment principles, you cannot over invest in, in work at the expense of relationships. So looking at the vital relationships of your life. And for me then, I was just starting, my, my family was probably about you know, two to three years old. We were young uh, and you know, we're just starting out. So it was focusing on what matters, ensuring that you, you give the best of you. There's more to your life and essentially things we teach in church. But it was interesting seeing it um, from the perspective of a Harvard professor who's been there, done that, you know, book smarts and and all, but using uh, business principles to teach this truth, you know. So the question that I want to just ride on that, on, on, on that book, how will you measure your life is how do we, how do you and I currently measure our life or our lives? How do we measure our lives currently? God made us to contribute, made man to contribute to creation and not to extract resources, you know, for personal comfort. Your life will not be measured by the length of time you live, duration. It is possible to think about your life and feel like, well, I've lived, I I would like to live a hundred healthy years. It is the donation you know, the quality of life lived and how much of it mattered to others. How much of that, those 100 years, those 80 years, those 70 years, will people look at and feel like, ah, that person lived. I'm a beneficiary of that person's life. I'm a beneficiary of Daniel's life. He, he passed through this earth and we felt it. So it's not in the duration. It's not in the length of time. Case in point is Jesus Jesus lived how many years? 33? Yeah. How long was his ministry for? Three. And we are still talking about three years of work till today. And I know that, yeah, somebody's feeling like, well, is Jesus. He's the almighty in human form. Very correct. But we also speak about people like Peter. We reference people like Paul. We read their works today. We're still reading their works today. And the interesting thing is, It is not even just in the church only that their works are referenced. Their works are referenced in in certain business schools. Their works are referenced all across. I mean, these are people who lived and we are still speaking about the impact of their lives till today. And they did not all die well, FYI, just in case you don't know. It's It's not all of them that slept and just not woke up or blessed all their family members and then put the duvet on top of themselves and then went home to be with the Lord. No. But we look at their lives, we reference their lives, we are blessed by the fact that they pass through this earth. So the question to you and I is, how will you measure your life? Or How are you currently measuring the outcomes and the output of your life, the quality of your life? If all that you're focused on is what I will eat, what I will drink, what I will wear... If all that matters to you, your priority right now is I just want to get married. I just want to be settled. I want to have kids. I want to check certain things off my box. Can we just do a quick check with what the father wants? What is it that he has blessed you with? We spoke in the morning about our shape, your spiritual gifts, your heart, which is also the things you're passionate about, your natural abilities, that's the A, your personality type and also your experiences and how that is sum total of all of this is who God has made you and he expects you to be able to deploy this shape to the earth. And not all of us will be famous or renowned like the apostles and it's not a course, but it's a function of recognizing and understanding priorities, perspective, and where God has placed you. We would all not be known. We would all not be famous. But just reading through the purpose-driven life, um, I, don't, I can't remember which of the days it is, but it references you, um, how that will get, we will be shocked when we get to heaven. I don't know that there will be roll call as far, I mean, of course, there's some sort of roll call, but you get my point. The roll call of, okay, so let's celebrate Demilade, let's put our hands together and appreciate him so when he was here on earth. You know, he was a member of LifePoint. Before then, he was this in, in, in this particular place. Uh, he worked as a, a, an engineer. He served diligently. He won 20,000 souls. He, I don't know if that's going to happen. But I feel like we're going to see certain people, people who were very obscure, who we knew nothing about, who we were shocked, maybe some gatesman, man or so, but who, the kind of house that we have in heaven, you will, be, you will be shocked, the mansion. And it's true. Because you see, I remember just reading and I had a story once. And it was a story of, I think it was a story shared by Pastor Adeboe. Now again, you know, there's some of these stories you hear from someone who said someone said, who said someone shared. So I, I, don't, know of, I don't know the accuracy of this story. But it was referenced that Pastor Adeboe shared this story at uh, one of the Holy Ghost Congresses that he was praying for the church one day and God opened his eyes to see the state of the hearts. I think it was a leadership meeting, the state of the heart of the pastors, the leaders. And he was shocked, you know, because apparently some people were still doing jazz. They are pastors. Some people were doing jazz. Some people, just different things. People in adultery, all sorts. So God then showed him one man, that the man was a security man some random place and god was telling him about that man that so it was kind of like god did an assessment of the redeemed christian church for him as the shepherd the you know how the uh, scripture references in revelations to the angel of ex-church to the end he was the angel of redeemed church and god was showing him this are this this is this this your people there are plenty in numbers, but their hearts are so far from me. But God showed him this elderly man in a corner. You know, his day job is uh, a security man. But this man was an intercessor. Spent time praying for the souls of men. Spent time praying. And God was telling him that he was pleased with that man. And that that man may look like an ordinary man here on earth, but it's a big man in the kingdom. Again, how do you measure your life? How do you measure your life? So, three big thoughts, and then we'll go into our discussion. Wow. Um, first of all, is that service to God is not optional. Our service to God is, and once you have signed up and you have said, God, I surrender my heart to you. Take my life. I'm giving it to you. Jesus, you are now my Lord and my Savior. There is no room for negotiation about service it automatically is embedded in your salvation journey. We are expected to serve God with everything that we have. So it's not optional. And I know somebody might have a question about that and I'm I'm happy for us to discuss it. Once you are saved, God intends to use you for his purpose and we are saved to serve, not to sit around and wait for heaven because that's another mistake some of us have made. You know, maybe not us in this room. But there's a way you think about service. Sorry, there's a way you think about your salvation. And (laughs) sorry, I chuckled at a thought that I just remember. Somebody was telling me in the office. I don't know. Some of you may have seen it on. I've been off social media since the beginning of this year. But they said there's been some Twitter fights about a particular church that came out and said that they can't start watching television. How How many of you have heard or seen that? Yeah, it's, it's a big thing. That so, some people are scarred, as in scarred from growing up not watching TV, and then the angel over that church now says, "You can now start watching TV after how many years of not watching TV." So some people are advocating that no, we are all not watching TV. We are staying there. We are maintaining status quo. You know, again, we God God will have mercy on us. That's just the summary. So one person was sharing with me, very pained and passionate. I'm like. Okay, so what do you want me to do about this matter now? Hey, start watching TV now, Abby. Go and watch all the ones you didn't want. Let me tell you, when you in your generation, your age, I can tell you all the cartoon series you missed, then you can go and look for them and start watching them. That's what's paining you. But the truth is, the measurement of our life is not in these things. I mean, there are laws, people with mindset laws, once you commit to a particular denomination and all. Thank God there's liberty in Jesus. And it's alibate all of us must embrace. Very important. So we are saved to serve, not to sit around and wait for heaven. Because sometimes our disposition is, I just want to make heaven. And so we don't become relevant here on earth. Everything we're doing is just in a bid to make heaven. God has a ministry for you in his church and a mission for you in the world. So the question is, how are you going to serve God this year in your local assembly? And I'll use exchange for an, uh, as an example. We need people in exchange to do different things from service um, production, service experience to assimilation and membership to, to music. We need different talents and, and, and giftings to prayer team, you know to the welcome and hospitality team. We need people who would you know take on the responsibility for ensuring that the exchange service. Thrives and that the people who this service has been designed for, they hear about it and they show up for it. So that's just putting it out there. I've just done a quick marketing now. As the Lord is speaking to your heart, that you sign up to be a part of our exchange team, okay? Um, so your, com- your contribution is crucial to the growth of the church and God gave you gifts principally for the expansion of his kingdom. Okay, so... Um, Those who refuse to serve God with their gifts lose their reward. Now, the concept of losing your reward if you don't serve is gotten from the story of uh, the the servant who received a talent. And instead of utilizing that talent, decided to bury it. And it's as though some of us bury our talents for different reasons. I know one of the biggest ones is fear. We're afraid. Or sometimes we feel unworthy of a talent. We feel like it's not good enough. It's not shiny enough, you know. It's not shiny enough. And so, because it doesn't look like what Dimladi has, you know, Dimladi can sing, he can preach, he can teach. You know, my own talents. What am I? I'm just an administrator. Just I'm just there, you know. Just any work. Wants to be carrying wires. And so we belittle that which God has blessed us. Meanwhile. You are, you, you, you are the best at what you do. God has designed you in such a way that you do that thing and you do it excellently well. I find that oftentimes it's because we, have, we lack understanding of how that talent benefits the body, how it helps, you know, kingdom, agenda, and advancement. And until there's that clarity because we see that only the people who get on stage are the people God is using. Oh, we will be pleasantly surprised when we get to heaven. God help us. If I, I was in God, shall we all not just be behind the scenes at this rate? <laughs> but we still need some people to be in front of the scene. To have these conversations. But what you do in the secret place, you see the, 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 the life that you live, the service where, where nobody sees, where no one sees and God rewards, that, that's the best. I promise you. Where it is between you and God. And man has no idea. You see, because when man knows, man can pay you. Man can strip you of your blessing unconsciously. Because when they start to hail you and they give you all the accolades and the adulation. And your head is growing, your shoulder pad is increasing. You have already collected reward. Meanwhile, the ones that is between you and God. And he sees you doing it faithfully, diligently. Those He rewards you in the open. People start to look at your life and they are trying to figure it out. But you know that your God is a rewarder. So, all right. The second thoughts very quickly is, okay, the third one actually. Yes, third one. So the first one I mentioned is service is not optional. The second one is that only acceptable service will be rewarded. I don't think I've spoken about that just yet. Only acceptable service will be rewarded. And it's just around the notion. Let me me read the scripture so it doesn't look like I'm just doing motivational speaking. Second Timothy, yes. Second Timothy chapter two from verses four to five. It says, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. If anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. There are rules that we play by in the kingdom. There are rules for service in the kingdom. Our service has got to be from a place of love. Again, remember how we started. Love your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. So it is love for God and love for his people. And with that understanding, everything that we do, we need to do from a place of love. It cannot be, our service cannot be devoid. of. Once it is devoid of love, once your service is just to check a box, may the Lord have mercy on us. Because those types of services are not They're not, you know, uh, when scripture speaks about acceptable sacrifice, yeah, it's not acceptable. God isn't feeling it. For somebody who's wondering what acceptable sacrifice, God is just not feeling it. And so it looks like an investment of time, of effort, you know, and you hear people say this a, a lot in Christianity and they wonder, but God, I do this for you. I do that for you. I do this for you. But can we, can they step back and check the intent and the heart from which that service is offered? Reminds me of a time that, you know, there was this phrase that was just popping in my heart. Strange fire, strange fire, strange fire. You know, until I went back to the scripture to check. Strange fire. Who is lighting strange fire? And it was a story of, uh, I think it was Achan or so. But there are things that, there's, there are rules to service. There are rules to kingdom living. And it's important that we play by those rules. It is so important. So, love is a key component and the underlying factor for our service. Very important. And then the second is... Um, the concept of, okay, so well, I call it the concept of, of sacrifice. Because I find that that is fast disappearing in our generation. And one of the things I love about exchange services is that we say it as it is. But it is what it is. And I remember having a conversation even with dimlady yesterday,